Welcome to Where Does Food, the food history podcast, where we podcast about the history of food. I'm your host, Tim, and with me, as always, is your other host. El Chapo. What's up, you guys? I'm El. El Chapo. El, how you doing? Tim, I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great. Hell I'm yeah. so tired. I'm tired enough that I'm delirious. So you're you're living life. So we're I think good. that's what they call chasing life's high. That's actually what that is. You're just so tired and you're just yeah, delirious. Yeah. That's what it we is. We both got we both got coffee going, so now <laughs> I'm doing like the caffeine exhaustion and that is fucking lit, buddy. A whole also I haven't had a ha- I haven't had a haircut in like 3 months, so I got the fucking lettuce going on, but it doesn't look good, so it's like shredded lettuce going it's like on. Shred- but it's great. <laughs> Yeah, it's good, man. So, so your beard looks nice. So that's a plus. Yeah, my beard. Yeah, I'm. That's I. I middle of the year. You know what I mean. I'm gearing up for the gearing up for the winter months. So of course, trial. It's like it's like a spring training for baseball, well, right? You're just kind of getting once I yeah. Once I hit May, it's pretty much like all right. I'm done. <laughs> Maintenance is done. Like no more haircuts. No more shaving. By the time I get to winter, I'll be ready to go. <laughs> What an incredible scale. Okay, I see it now. <laughs> you just prepare yourselves yeah. for hibernation, and then yeah. January hits, and you're like, new me. Yeah. All right, so we're talking cereal. Cereal. I'm so excited. Yeah, we're talking cereal. We're goofing around at the top a little bit. Too much for me, God damn it. Uh, so General Mills. The um, General Mills? And, um, he, the General Mills. Here's the thing. I'm not even really going to talk about General Mills that much, but to give him a little bit of love, because... This show goes places. Um, General Mills has 46 different kinds of cereal products. So, Damn, okay. Out of 46, where do you rank cereal? Uh, 42. I love cereal. 42? Yeah, I love cereal. Holy 42 shit. 42 out of 46, yeah. No, I love wow. it. Wow. What's your go-to? Well, it depends on what kind of mood I'm in, Tim. That's really the beauty of cereal. Nah, 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 nah. No? You don't accept that? Nah. I don't accept that as an answer. I need you to make hard, fast decisions here. Jeez Louise. No, um, I, I, I agree that like, yeah, if you're in a sweeter mood, you go to that. But like there's everyone. It's like when you ask someone what their favorite music is and they're all like, oh, look, everything It's like, no. What is the music you listen to? So what is the cereal, the cereal that you go for? One of my go-to cereals, I'm going to get a lot of your wash comments for this, is Honey Bunches of Oats. That's it. Noah almonds, none of that shit. Fire. Delicious. So good. It's sweet. Yeah. It's crunching it. It usually doesn't get too soggy. Like, you're usually at the last bite, you're still crunching. I love it so oh, much. You don't like so- you're not a soggy cereal. I'm person. not a. So- it it has to be the right consistency because sometimes when it's soak when it's it gets soaked just enough and you just it's good. So it's good, but there's some cereals where I'm like, no. Here's my. And I'm gonna extrapolate on that a little bit. Uh, here's my thing. I that's reason why I don't like frosted flakes or regular corn flakes or too soggy like too fast. Any or any like uh, the fruity pebbles or anything because. I don't like how they feel when they get soaked. You know yes, what I, mean? I agree with that 100%. Like there's something about their consistency when they get soggy. However, a cereal that I don't mind getting soggy, even though it definitely gets soggy in about relatively the same time as like a cornflake would, is um, Chex or Life. Like those two, oh, how they do the rice. Tim, I haven't had uh, this in yeah. so long. Yeah. Life Cinnamon, by the way, is an absolute fucking goat. Oh, I bet of, that's really good. cereal. It's amazing. It's I, I always uh, claim that it's like the adult CT crunch, you know, but like 
Uh, <laughs> and I love CT Crunch. Nothing against it, but you know what I mean. Like it's like no, it's like I a know. better cinnamon. You know, it's it a better cinnamon. <laughs> yeah, the 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 sugar uh, pieces are like it, they're bigger grains of sugar in there. It's just a nice. You know, it's not overly sweet. It's nice. But when it gets soaked, when it gets a little quote unquote soggy, it's, nice. it, it's almost like little pillows of, of milk as opposed to like this mushy. Ooh, that's a good way to describe that. Pillows of milk. Yeah. Yes. It, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's almost got the same, it's almost got the same thing that like, an, uh, not flavor wise, but consistency wise and that Oreos get. That's why Oreos are so good. Tim, I like with that. Milk, right. right there. Is they yeah. get, they get that soft little and it's, it's nice. That's what some cereals do which that's why i don't mind soggy cereal i don't need a crunchy i don't need captain crunch that shit hurts my mouth that's what i'm saying yes it hurts my mouth i do like i do like my milk to to seep in a bit but some cereals are better than others pillows of Um, milk so for me uh my go-to is definitely life cinnamon that is the absolute fucking pinnacle of cereal i don't think you get better than that followed very very closely (laughs) by Oat squares um, by Quaker. Oh my God! Fucking oat squares out of this world. I don't have those in years. Out of this world. You can; those are so good that you can eat just with the, even without milk, though, oh, which is not making. They're so good, but like maybe we can have that discussion later. But it's so good. Yeah, delicious, underrated. I feel like we've talked enough about our favorite cereals. That's not what people are here for. What okay. are they here for, Tim? Uh, Tell us about cereal. So, yeah. So let's let's get going. Hey guys, welcome to the ad section. I'm here to tell you real quick about Anchor by Spotify. You may have heard us talk about Anchor at the end of our episodes. Is because Anchor is the platform we use to distribute our podcasts. It's totally free. It helps us distribute our podcasts to different platforms. That's how we're on Apple Podcasts. That's how we're on Google Podcasts, CastBox, you name it. They've helped us do that. You can record directly on the app, on the webpage. They don't even need a super fancy setup. It's super straightforward, totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started on your podcast or whatever you like to do. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of the episode. And goods. We got canned fruits and vegetables, canned fish and meats, hot and cold cereals, post toasters, cornflakes, sugar puffs, rice krispies, oatmeal, wheat thin and cream of wheat. We're gonna talk about breakfast before cereal. Because this is what this episode's actually about. It's about how in the hell did cereal get to where it's at now? How? Why? Why is which you could say that's kind of all of our episodes, but specifically, breakfast cereal was not a thing until semi recently. I'll say. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'm again semi recently. It's it's been rocking for over a hundred years, but still in the grand in scheme the grand scheme, yeah. History, it's not culinary it's not history. Long. Yeah. Um, before cereal uh, during colonial times, breakfast. Uh, wasn't a massive meal, actually. So it was mostly leftovers. Um, and porridge was a Purge. thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Which, just so everyone knows, porridge is essentially just like either uh, minced up or ground up or chopped up grains. It doesn't have to be just oats, although oats are what we probably think of the most at this point. But it, it comes in uh, mixtures, like there's... Uh, 
barley and oats, like all to pretty much if you can think of a grain, like that's probably been used as a porridge at some point. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so during colonial times, that was, that was a pretty big deal is, is leftovers and porridge. I mean, you got a lot of shit going on. Um, and you're not exactly raking in the, the dough, um, during those times. Just porridge. But by the night, about, by the time we get going 19th century, everyone is making a little bit more cash. All right. We're Ooh. all, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're in the 1800s. Things are moving up. We know what happens in the late 1800s. I think we're somewhat familiar, yeah. We've we've talked about it enough. Refrigeration's starting to come around. Again, all of us are just making more money. Uh, Everything's going on. Also, uh, Chicago, great American city. Great American city. uh, Helped with the industrialization of pork and, as we previously have known, beef. Uh, We talked about that in our hamburger episode. They did a lot of pork and beef coming out of that city and you know essentially helped pork and beef become more of a staple in americans diets during that uh during the 19th century and that's when our breakfasts started to get a bit heartier we started to have pork and stuff as for breakfast and things like that interesting but then the industrial revolution happened that changed our work-life balance right Uh all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden the quote-unquote nine to five is being created um, but early industrial revolution really was more like a 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And you're a child, and if your limbs get cut off, go fuck yourself. Like, keep working. That sucks, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a reason why we have Labor Day. Uh, <laughs> it's because it, the 9 to 5 used to be cruel, and uh, it used to not have weekends involved. But that being said, again, that just to say that that started to change how busy we were and if we had the ability to make breakfast here's a hint that stopped being uh, afforded time which is weird how we went from just being too poor to do it to now we're like oh now we got money but now we're too busy to do it time to yeah yeah when our country needed it most a hero arrived what happened to him breakfast cereal breakfast cereal was invented um (laughs) yeah so cereal is a processed grain. Um, it is consumed either hot or cold. That is the baseline function of what cereal means. There's porridge and grits, which are uh, much older and tra- tra- they're traditionally hot. Mm. So this is kind of the first inkling of what a cereal is, right? Is like making grits, making porridge. Grits are actually a Native American recipe. Interesting. I had no clue. Okay. Yeah. Um, more specifically, the Muscogee tribe... Uh, developed a recipe. Uh, they're the tribe that like pretty much figured out how to use leftover bits of corn. It was a necessity thing. Wow. Okay. So instead of it just being a loss, it turned into a food item. Um, and they had to develop it. They had to literally figure out how to make it edible because you can't munch on it. It'll break your teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously American. Yeah. So uh, Americans learned how to make it from uh Natives, like we did a lot of things. I was going to say, like a lot of things. That's cool. I had no clue. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, porridge is is just boiling chopped ground or crushed grains. Like I said, rice, barley, oats, pretty much you can do any of it, make porridge, it's fine. Around 1854, all right, so the year's 1854, Ferdinand Schumacher started the first mass production oat mill. Now, this is when oats started to become more frequent. So this is probably why we think of porridge and oats. Okay as one right it stopped being a a series of different grains and now oats are more readily available right so oatmeal oatmeal is available which is just a porridge (laughs) you know that's sort of the early beginnings of cereal 
let's talk about breakfast cereals. Yeah, let's keep let's keep going. We're getting there. One of the very first (laughs) versions of a cold breakfast cereal was by Dr. James Caleb Jackson. Of course, it was a doctor. Okay, it's a lot. This whole story is doctors. No one's not a doctor. Interesting. Everyone's a doctor. Um, Yeah, and we'll get into that. In 1863 at his sanitarium, and they all owned sanitariums. Every single one of them. (laughs) All right. So, again, 1854, Schumacher is, you know, he started the oat production mill. And then in 1863, uh, Dr. James Caleb at his sanitarium in Dansville, New York, created and sold what he called granula. Yeah. Um, Shot him a look. Which was just made from dense brand nuggets. <laughs> um, and it had to be soaked overnight to be edible. L. Brand oats. nuggets? Those are, <laughs> yeah, no, that's the original overnight oats right there. It's the original overnight oats. Oh my it's gosh. The overnight, it's the overnight brand. <laughs> Y'all thought you were being so clever. No, nah, it's been done before. Yeah, it's Ooh. been done. Matter of fact, it was kind of unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it didn't catch on. Um, Surprise. Okay. Yeah, it Damn. just didn't catch on. But A for effort. Um, People were still liking their hot cereal, so that makes sense. However, oh? however, Dr. James Caleb Jackson and his sanitarium is important because one of his patrons, Ellen G. White, she's the founder of Seventh-day Adventist Church, and she would open up her own sanitarium in Battle Creek, Michigan. Oh. Where in 1876, she would eventually hire the Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. Wait, that Kellogg? The Kellogg. Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. Yes. So she she was inspired by Dr. James Caleb Jackson's sanitarium and what he was pushing as as a clean diet, essentially. Respect. Okay. Yeah. And so she started her own thing. Um, So I'm the story about Kellogg is I feel like it's pretty popular. I don't know if you've heard bits of it. Uh, Probably, Uh, but I'm honestly I don't I can't I don't I'm not registering anything with it right now. I'm going to make it my own. Let's do it, Tim. Story time with Tim. Yeah, there's a big thing that goes around that, like, he made it because he wanted people to stop masturbating. Oh, but fuck. How have I not heard about this? Okay. But actually, the thing is, is the Adventist church is, yes, obviously, they were they were just, like, a really strict religion. And, yeah, they were against masturbation. But they also just had a lot of other kooky ideas. And John Kellogg was probably more... He was probably more invested, or it's believed to be that he was more invested in just like bowel movements. He was just invested in. He believed in a lot of things. So we'll 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 get into this. He so he turned Battle Creek Sanitarium, which is what it was called, um, into a renowned wellness resort. Like oh yeah yeah. President like, Taft, Amelia Earhart, and Thomas Edison all were patrons of his. I just shot him for his look. diet program and his exercise program. Look so out, like, South Beach Diet. It's really Kellogg that was out here. What the heck? Okay. I had no clue. Yeah. This wasn't some fringe thing. Like, this isn't, like, I mean, I guess maybe a little bit, but, like, it's it, it, not to the point where it was just, like, shunned completely. No, you know no, those mean? are, yeah. This doesn't seem yeah. like a Scientology um, situation here. Yeah. I mean, essentially, Dr. John Kellogg, he was one of the earliest, like, health gurus. I mean, he was. Yeah. He, he was goop, you know? He was. <laughs> <laughs> he was moon juice. He was... Gwyneth would be so proud. He was all of it. You know what I mean? He was the medical medium. He was one uh, of the first ones. <laughs> Dude, I, that's unbelievable. 
Yeah. Um, so again, he was he was involved in that religion. He probably wouldn't have taken the job if he wasn't. Um, he believed in regular exercise, drinking water, and he believed it to be sinful to indulge in fatty, salty, greasy, or spicy foods. Oh, my guy was bland. Yeah, he believed food should be bland, and if you had anything else in it, it was a sin. You were aligning yourself with the devil. Well, I, <laughs> I'm aligning with myself with the devil every day, sir. Wow, so, okay. Obviously, there is an angle. Yes, he's anti-masturbation because it's like in his religion. But Inherently, right. More importantly, he just believes that life should be really strict and bland. I mean, he just believed that your diet should be very bland and strict and to the point. He believes you should exercise. He believes you should drink more water. He um, also studied gorillas in zoos and noticed that they had five bowel movements a day. Damn. And he noted that he believed people should also have... Five bowel movements no a day, which is insane. That's an insane amount of bowel movements. I feel like I'm not That's a doctor. That's so many movements. That's <laughs> so many movements. I don't. I don't listen. That's that is a lot. That's a lot. No, I mean, I think I think two is like the max you're supposed to have. Like that's okay. I, I've yeah, and I've met people that will straight up just like not have one every day which is insane that, no yeah but i don't think I, yeah no again not a doctor but i don't think that's supposed to, i think you're usually supposed to have one but anyways yeah no not yeah, five it, a day i don't have time to take five bowel movements a day are you kidding me who has time for that yeah so that's really i'm not gonna go hard in the paint on kellogg here or at least not to that point of everything that he believed in uh because this is a serial episode in grandeur not in just like kellogg who gives a fuck but yeah, that, that was sort of the summary of his beliefs and why he started making what he made. And, and for the most part, sense. and we're going to find out, for the most part, um, it's actually his brother who made Kellogg what it is today, not him. So, Ooh, okay. Yeah. One of his earliest recipes of cereal he called Granula. Granula, again. Yeah. Dracula. Uh, yeah. Granula. Okay. It's, the sa- it's the same thing. Yes, the one that... James Kel Jackson came up with. Yeah. That it's, one. It's not the same recipe, but it's the exact same name. Um, He was sued, and he oh, had good. to change okay, the good, name. Okay, good, 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 good. What are you changing to? Yeah. Granola. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> yeah. He went from Changed granula to, to granola. To granola. Interesting. It's, Here you go. Here we go. And that's what, I mean, I'm familiar with that term. And now wow. the word is born. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> we love copyright law. Yeah, I love it. It's great. I don't even think they had it at that point. He just sued him to sue the guy. He's like, fuck that guy. (laughs) Um, So things really start popping off around 1896. Okay. All right. We're at the turn of the century. He and his brother, Will, his brother's name is Will Kellogg, uh, developed a recipe they called Granose Flakes, um, which is like... Wait a second. Yeah. It's like grain and os. Like os is a scientific word and grain is... A grain. Uh, so they like combined them. They thought it sounded cool and scientific. Sure. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, That's okay though. Good for them. That was okay. Uh, yeah, this is the first version of cornflakes. The It's not corn yet, but this is the first version of cornflakes essentially. It's grain flakes. They're <laughs> like sugar flakes, corn, corn sugar flakes. Yeah. Um, and it was rumored uh, to be discovered by accident. We don't know, but it's rumored that by accident, a botched batch of dough that they tried to salvage by rolling it into a really thin uh, sheet and baking it, and they kind of broke it off from there. Um, Oof, okay. That's what the, yeah, that's what the rumor is, and it creates like little flaky bits, essentially. Makes they sense. made a cracker, broke it up, and fucking 
<laughs> yeah, that makes more sense, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a, a lot of people were in the kitchen at the sanitarium. Yeah. So it, it's, there's a lot of accounts um, of what actually went down, but this is kind of the story that Kellogg, the company sticks to, right? Is that like, this is how it was made. It was a botch batch. They all did it. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. They all get credit for it. Great. All right. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. So good old Will and John, you know how brothers be, hey. uh, they would end up having disagreements. Absolutely. About what to do like going any forward. Any good family business. Yeah. So the thing about this is that um, Will claimed to to mess with the uh, the recipe after that botched batch and found out that corn was the one that made the flakiest. Again, there's a lot of people working on this. It's, I mean, it's very, very much probably not the case that Will alone figured this out, especially considering the fact that he was uh, massively in charge of like finances for oh, the sanitarium. what? Okay, you're telling me the finance guy? Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, Sorry. he did help. He could have. He did but help, no. but like... The idea that he solely came up with the cornflake. Yeah, no. It was probably a mixture of everyone chipping in and doing stuff. Because they also had cooks there. It wasn't it wasn't just those two. I mean, it wasn't um, just Will and John in the kitchen and running nah, the nah, back house. It wasn't just stuff. them. <laughs> yeah. So Will felt, and uh, I, I want to preface this. Uh, so they have a, a disagreement because this shit is popular. Like they're having to make batches and ship it popular. Like what? it's okay. big. Yes. The like okay. the patron people, people will come in. They'll, they'll be a patron of the sanitarium. They'll like what's there. And then they'll, when they leave, because you're not going to live there forever, you get your recovery or you go through your program or whatever you leave. People were, would like send money and request for the flakes. And so it's really popular, and Will felt like they should make a product and sell it to the masses. They should go full capitalists on those hoes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and <laughs> and John didn't want to because John. John's a good little Christian boy, and he felt it would go against his mission. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, he, he John was like, I have integrity, and Will was like, yeah. I have money <laughs> and the balls to get it done <laughs> uh also apparently john was a big asshole to will i yeah i, I could kind of is he kind of on a high horse maybe yeah a little bit a little bit yeah so will bought the cornflake rights good for him and the, yeah yeah he kind of he kind of bought the whole thing um and in 1906 he started his own company oh. called the battle creek toasted cornflake company that's a lot of okay that's a mouthful it would become Kellogg Company by 1925. So he would take the cornflake recipe and he would add malt, sugar, and salt. Mm. And that's so he bought the recipe and then he then he added to it because he knew what would sell better. Uh, um, and yeah, bam, Kellogg's cornflakes. That's wow. the cornflake baby. I love they that. Were okay, born. there you go. 1906 by 1909, good old Bill Kellogg. <laughs> Was churning out a hundred and twenty thousand cases of cornflakes a day. That's okay. Time out. A time out. Can we talk? Time out. Th three years, L. Three years. A hundred and twenty cases a day. That's absurd. Cause like that's that's a lot of product to be moving. That's especially insane. in the early nineteen hundred. Are you kidding me? A day. Yeah, a day. Get out of here. So John Kellogg would sue his brother. No. 
Yeah, he would sue his brother <sighs> for the right to use the name. But the suit ended in 1920 with the Michigan Supreme Court ruling in favor of Will Kellogg due to his success up to that point with the branding. They essentially they essentially said John was just trying to undercut his brother and be a little asshole about it. And so they put in favor uh, for Will to keep the namesake. So that's how Will Kellogg not only ends up owning the recipe for cornflakes, but he ends up owning the name. Tim, how do you feel about that? I, I love it. I think that's fucking fantastic. That's like a ruling right there. Wow. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I think, I mean, I think if you're going to come up on the grounds to be like, well, I, I should have the name, even though this person's just been like outselling you and crushing the game. It's just like, well, that's ridiculous. You're clearly just trying to like, you know, you're trying, clearly just trying to like get a part of that action. I felt like, so no, I, I like it. That's incredible. Yeah, no, that's a flex if I ever saw one right there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. There's another person who started their cereal company in Battle Creek, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're wondering, Battle Creek, Michigan is like the birthplace of cereal. <laughs> yeah. I hope they have a plaque that, that says that up there. Uh, they do. They do. Uh, it was a man known as Charles William Post. Now, wait a dang second, Tim. The, the Post. Um, so this here's is fun. the thing. Okay. Post was actually a patient at Battle Creek Sanatorium. And in 1893... He was too broke to pay his stay, so he he started working for the business to pay off his debt, and he worked in the kitchen. Yams everywhere. Okay, sir, he, let's go post. Where he got to see the method of making cereal. And then what did he go and do? Um, he ended up starting his own business. <laughs> So he ends up so he ends up starting his own business. Um, Post was a dude that was into alternative stuff anyway. Um, before he started his own business, he was very much into alternatives to coffee. Uh, he ends up developing his own coffee substitute, and that's actually what he starts with. He starts with a coffee substitute, which sold really well. No way! What? Yeah. What is this coffee with, substitute you speak of? Um, I think it was a chicory root or something like that. It was okay. Yeah. So he ends up he ends up selling and in the thing uh, he branded it as like stay away from the evils of caffeine or something like that. So Post <laughs> was just as bonkers as the rest of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So within a year or something like that, like or in his second year, he ends up selling almost like a million units of the coffee substitute, right? Like he's doing here. really well. Okay. He ends up starting his uh, very first breakfast cereal, which are known as grape nuts. Yeah. So he Hang ends on. up. Yeah, the grape nuts, the one and only gravel uh, is how I would describe <laughs> that cereal. It's gravel. It tastes awful. It's gross. It's gravel. And he would make his own version of cornflakes eventually. Uh, they first were called Elijah's Mana. That's a terrible name. Why uh, did yeah. he say that and do that? Which he would eventually rename to Post Toasties, which is... <laughs> So much better. That is so, like. I don't know why that wasn't the first name. I mean, yeah. you went from a guy. That, uh, Elijah's mana is a dude selling you something out of his trench coat, uh, and when he opens it his trench so coat, sketchy. all you see is like a crumbly bag of cereal in his dick. And post toasties is like, yeah, I'm a cereal maker. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it one's sounds lighthearted, fun. Yeah, one's a serial name, one's a serial killer name. It gets, it's, it's the, you know, it's the way it goes. I'm sure it's easy to get those two confused, however. Yeah. Damn so, 
Post was really competitive with Kellogg. Obviously. Obviously. He, he worked in their kitchen. <laughs> uh, he, ends up, awesome. he, he ended up buying the rights to a cereal rolling machine used in the cereal making process. I didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. Yeah. That Will Kellogg helped design. This is like so double cross thing like yes. right now. Like this is so deep. Okay. Will Kellogg helps design this uh, machine that they, I'm assuming that they used in this, Absolutely. their Battle Creek Sanatorium. Um, well, would it, yes. And then Post goes out on his own and he's just like, you know what? I'm going to buy the rights to that. That's going to make them have to invent something else to, to use it essentially or pay me or whatever. Um, Post was a savage. <laughs> he savage. was a savage. Yeah. So by 1902, Battle Creek had 40 different cereal brands. Wow. Uh, yeah, birthplace of cereal. Battle Creek was also where puffed rice was developed. Uh, the rumor here oh, is go. that someone shot rice out of a uh, cannon <laughs> and, and then sold that like mechanism to... Uh, who's the guys that do the rice? Is it Quaker? I think Quaker. Um, sold it to one of the big wigs. I think it is Quaker, but I just think it's... I, I'm just like, yeah. oh, found found the adventures of the, of the county. Yeah. You know, it'd be um, fun. Let's just shoot some rice out of a cane and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. All right, so let's talk about General Mills. They have a much more like hostess Hut. bringing okay. up. They're it's very hostess uh, outside of the bankruptcies. <laughs> so General Mills, this is big cereal right here. Yeah, they started as a uh, they started as Minneapolis Milling Company in 1856 by a congressman named Robert Smith. Cadwallader Washburn and his brother William Washburn uh, ended up taking over the mill some years later, uh, and they merged with John Crosby in 1877 to form Washburn Crosby Company. It wasn't until 1920 where the president of Washburn Crosby, James Fort Bell, uh, would merge the mill with three other mills. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, and that's sort of the end. They ended up buying another like bankrupting mill like a year later after 1920 and yeah they sort of just became this huge conglomerate of mills i believe the biggest in the country at the time because they absorbed like a bunch of mills <laughs> but that's sort of general mills this thing it's not again it's very much more like hostess than anything so that's that's them like i said at the top uh, I wanted to show them more love by making the ranking system out of their products because they don't really have much else involved in the story. Here's the second half to my episode, which is why cereal? Why? why what yeah. happened? That's the thing is we just talked about numbers, right? We talked about the fact that, oh my God, these units are pushing like Kellogg is doing so well with cornflake and like, what is it? Like, why? What What was going on here? Advertising. Of course. Of course. Cereal is a story of advertising yeah breakfast cereal it, especially at the time and place where people were making money uh it really wasn't an inspired breakfast like no one was yearning to eat a bowl sure. of grains that was like poor people shit you have this this thing where like with again with the the accessibility of more meat and stuff like that if you had the time it was more of a, a grander like let's you know let's sit down and have a, a, a meal a feast essentially uh, americans ate a lot of pork man we at in <laughs> before the 20th century we were a pork eating fiends so um so a lot of the reasoning behind 
cereal, like why people quote unquote started was to try and get Americans off of pork. But interesting. Okay. Yeah. It turns into more of an advertising capitalist thing after that. <laughs> of course, naturally, that's how it always yeah. progresses. Yeah. So how do you convince people that cereal is a complete breakfast? You lie. <laughs> you lie to people. Oh, shit. Okay. Tell me more. Here we go. You know. You know how you lie, El? You, you lie. Um, yeah, you lie to people. John Kellogg would be One of Paul's early ads for his coffee substitute claimed that caffeine was evil. I've said this already. But, it like, that's a lie. It didn't claim that caffeine was bad for you. It didn't claim that it had any... Su- like, it didn't claim any data points. It was just that it was evil. It's just a bad. <laughs> it was evil. It's a sin. Um... In 1898, a box of Kellogg's Granose Flakes simply claimed that it enriched the blood. That's not true. It enriched it. With what? I don't know. (laughs) It just enriched the blood. (laughs) (laughs) With what? I don't know. In 1903, a box of Grape Nuts claimed it would help kick your liquor habits. Those are not related. Yeah. There's Grape Nuts will stop you from drinking. It also claimed to do a bunch of other things. <laughs> so, you just lied. And once they lied enough about the health benefits of breakfast uh, cereals, their um, next goal was to show how complete it was. Not just tell you, to show you. So then the boxes started oh, including yeah. okay. very full bowls of cereal and they had like fruit in it and it's just like all these old boxes in the early 20th century they all were like big bowls and that was to give you that sense of complete fullness right you've already heard about the health right yeah okay and there were still like health claims on there but like it was the the packaging changed from just like essentially old packaging uh, in the earliest, like or late nineteenth, early twentieth, was essentially like just the name of the product and then mm-hmm. the health benefits, and then it turned into like the name, the like what it looked like in a bowl with fruit, and then it was like then some health yeah. stuff on the side, you know. You're um, absolutely right. Yeah, it definitely took the visual approach versus yeah, hey, yeah. A second to in, read about this product. Yeah, an example, 1922, uh, a box what of what would now be known as General Mills Wheaties. Again, General Mills wasn't General Mills until later, but it's General Mills Wheaties, essentially, and it said it was a perfect food, ready to eat. Um, So they also played that angle of, we're ready, baby. You can eat it right out the box. Convenience. Uh, A box of Post Toasties claimed it was a four-star breakfast treat. (laughs) Yeah, cornflakes, four-star breakfast. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. Uh, But it worked, and and they did go that far, and it worked. That's wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. This food wasn't not not only was it all you needed, but it was easy. Right? Like, no, it's, absolutely. It's a complete breakfast. It's a full breakfast, and it's ready to eat. It's right out of the box. Not to do anything. It's already prepared. Yeah. It's already ready for you. Yeah. No. Fuck. So after this, there's a market people aren't like. There's a market that they're not hitting. L, can you guess the market? Tim, I don't know. Is it probably like little kids? Yeah, it's fucking children. Um, of course. So this actually started pretty early in 1909. Kellogg sold their cereal with the price. Um, oh. And they kept that going for like 20 something years. But th- this was not the advertising that you think of when you think of advertising to children. That wouldn't happen until the to the end of the war. We were post-war. Oh, that's good the at least. The second okay. one. 
And uh, this is when marketers realized, like, kids don't have money, but kids are very persuasive, and their parents have money. So we're in a market to kids. What a twisted turn of events, man. It blew up, man. Uh, The mascot started. Every cereal had a mascot now. Animated commercials started. TV was coming around, so now we're, you know, putting fucking cartoons as commercials. Uh, Bright boxes. They stopped being this just brown box with things Mm -hmm. on there. It was, you know, oranges and blues and yellows and white boxes with, like, you know, contrasting mascot characters, things like that. Radio ads. And there were even full-blown shows that were just infomercials disguised as cartoons. I am not kidding. They would literally have the main characters just pedal cereal to you no. as a show. That was it. Get out of here. No, I can't wrap my head around that. Okay. Which ended, by the way, in 1969 when the FCC said that the characters of children's shows couldn't just be an advertisement. Pretty much. Hell That's yeah. what it said. They were like, hey, don't do that. <laughs> That's- Solid. Good choice, FCC. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, in 1949, Post had the very first animated cereal commercial for their cereal, Sugar Crisp. If that doesn't sound familiar to you, that's because the cereal ended up changing to Golden Crisp. Oh. Yeah. So it went from Sugar Crisp to Golden Crisp, and we're going to get to reasons why pretty soon. It was one of Post's first pre-sweetened cereals. Uh, uh, one pre-sweetened cereal arrived 10 years earlier by a cereal named Roger Joe Pock wheat honeys which is insane what a name um <laughs> but it, after once sugar crisp came along that's when things really started to kick off um essentially technology caught up with manufacturers people were already mm-hmm. putting sugar on cereal by the way this was a thing right you get bland flakes you throw fucking yeah. cereal on top that of it that's, just what, yeah. that's what we did but since it now came with sugar this was another point of sale this was it they had the ability to sell that now it comes with sugar so the boxes would say pre-sweetened or no oh. sugar needed. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Which you would never do nowadays. No. <laughs> so Kellogg introduced corn pops in 1950. Uh, I'll remind you that the Sugar Crisp came out in 1949. So a year later, corn pops came out. Frosted Flakes came out two years later, 1952. General Mills Tricks came out in 1954. So this, the 50s. Damn, it's like back to back to back, yeah. Yeah, all just sugar cereals coming coming down the pipeline. No sugar. (laughs) No no need to add sugar. A lot of these sweetened cereals came with mascots. Tony the Tiger, Tricks the Rabbit, Sony the Cuckoo Bird, all of them. I mean, Lucky Charms came out in this same decade and had a character with it as well. Sugar Chris came out with the Sugar Bear. I mean, it was... Every single one of them had a mm-hmm. character, essentially, that you can attach with it. I mean, and, yeah. and they were so effective at going towards, like, advertising towards children that kids wouldn't even have seen the cereal before, like, in stores. Oh, they would see fuck. the commercial okay, yeah. first, and that's what they wanted. They would just see this fun character, and that's it. Hey, can I get Frosted Flakes? Because Tony said they're they're great. They're great. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Frosted. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely, yeah. And along with this, they started to emphasize flavor. So that now the boxes are kind of changing, right? It, it, they start emphasizing flavor while also reassuring the parents that all these new things, they're still made with corn and they're still made with oats. <laughs> Don't worry. These Cocoa Puffs are still a corn cereal. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's incredible. But by the end of the 60s, uh, cereal, it was diversifying and the sales were increasing. 
So they started putting games on the boxes. They started putting prizes in the boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1971, Captain Crunch doesn't mention even it doesn't even mention what it's made of. It just says <laughs> on the box, "Stays crunchy in milk." Shut up, dude. That's unreal. That's it. That's it. That's how the sales. That's how good it was. That's it. Like it was so good for the 60s, like 50s and 60s, that like they stopped completely by the end. You have that. to worry they, about they, it. Yeah. Yeah, they were just like, whatever, people are buying this. But that's also when things would start to crack a little bit on how we felt about cereal as a complete and total breakfast. In 1972, Dr. Atkins, yes, that Atkins. No way. Yes. They started to preach the low-carb diet as the preferred diet. So this is our first sort, not probably not the very first, but this is a collective first of like, carbs aren't good. And that's an important distinction. Notice I didn't say sugar isn't good, which was clearly a part of the message. Right. Carbs. Carbs. Specifically carbs. So fuck the fact that it has sugar in it. It's the fact that it's corn. Now corn isn't healthy. Now oats aren't healthy. So it's not the fact that it's an oat product. That's still not healthy. Even if you made a low sugar cocoa puff. Okay, but it's made of oats. So it's a carb, which isn't great. Like That's the messaging that was coming out of this, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's absolutely the messaging that was coming out of this. Yeah. So the reaction from cereal companies was to emphasize their healthier cereals as well as add diversity to those lineups. So for a long time, they had those two decades where it was just sweet cereals, sweet cereals, kids, sweet cereals. That's all they cared about. That was their market. I mean, they still had their go-tos. They still had their right. cornflakes. They still had all those, but they weren't adding to those lineups. Like, they weren't trying to diversify the health lineup there, the normal lineup. Um, And this is when they started. So they started adding granola and yogurt clusters and things like that. It's essentially how you end up getting to Special K. It's essentially, I mean, granted, that happened later, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely like the the building blocks, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of how everything got to where it's at in that world, what we call adult cereals. Um, (laughs) And as for the sugary cereals, this is brilliant. And I know you're going to know what I'm talking about, and this is what I love. So instead of saying it's a complete breakfast, they say it's part of a complete breakfast. Oh, my gosh. And we grew up. In the 90s and early aughts. So I know you know that phrasing in those commercials. Part part of a complete breakfast. So they Mm -hmm. just changed it. They said, okay, fine. It's not a complete breakfast. But it's part of one. If you give them some fruit, maybe some eggs, they can have it as well. (laughs) They can have cereal as well. It's a part of a complete breakfast. So the Nutrition and Labeling and Education Act passed in 1990. A little insider thing. The nutrition label on every fucking food product you've ever seen has only been with us for 32 years. What? I'm almost as old as a food? No. It didn't happen until 1990. (laughs) That's absurd. Yeah. And so that's really what allowed people to see what was in a lot of these foods. And just a quick thing on the nutrition label, by the way, they actually did have an, uh, uh, they did change it a bit. I don't know if you noticed, but some years back, the calories uh font became bigger it was a larger was i think a larger, so because it's yeah it, yeah because very uh, as a as a consensus we felt like tracking calories was the most important thing so now all mm-hmm. menus have calorie counts and all of the nutrition label calorie 
fonts are bigger than any other font on there. And in 1996, cereal consumption peaked. And then it's just kind of been declining since. Not a hard decline, just like a steady sort of decline. Um, And this is for a lot of reasons. There, uh, some more legitimate than other. I mean, there's a declining (laughs) birth rate. Children eat the most cereal. Like this is a known thing. Those two kind of, yeah. Okay. However, more impactful stuff is just like increase in gluten intolerance. People don't eat as much breakfast. I believe in the 70s, 18% of people, or no, sorry, 6% of people skip breakfast, um, and 18% of people skip breakfast now. Oh, uh, wow. It's literally yeah, tripled. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, people are skipping breakfast more. And then also, there are just a lot more options for breakfast now. Sure. Uh, yep. Not only fast food, which is one thing, but also just not even necessarily stuff like that, but also just like granola bars protein mm-hmm. bars snacks on the go it, it's it's like being out convenienced essentially you know what i mean because even with how easy cereal is you dirty up a bowl you dirty up a spoon i mean even those little bitty fucking steps which are nothing steps to do it's like okay or i could just grab this prepackaged thing that's like 300 Absolutely. calories with 20 grams of protein and call it a day and call it a day. I'm gonna. I'm heading out the door. I can just throw this away when I get to the office and throw it in the trash. Get on my way in. Exactly. And then I gotta. Yeah. Exactly. I'm gonna take care of this now. I gotta clean up a pan afterwards, or yeah. am I gonna take care of it later? So then that's something I have to do after I get off work. That <laughs> sucks, dude. Like, come on. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Out yeah. convenience. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And that's the story of cereal. That's the wow. birth of it, and then how it got to. How it got to where it did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's amazing. I think this this was one of my favorite um, stories. This is like I, I I loved this. I don't know if it's going to translate to a great show, but I personally, me as someone researching this, loved it. Like it, I yeah, because and it's it's great, and it, all this all the links are going to be in the show notes. But yeah, there's like a lot of the same history. And then there was just this very clear underlying story of sure. Start it for religious reasons, start it for diet reasons, for health reasons, which is how it started. But it ends up devolving into this just like grotesque advertising. And also just like an insight to how early advertising was, which was just lying. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Just straight up lying. You just lied about your product, which is, and it was fine. Wonderful. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely something that I've learned from cereal is that it took the it it put the brand in branding. That's what yeah. happened with cereal, dude. They yeah. it's kind of incredible. I mean, again, they lied, but it's incredible how they because cereal's not that old of a product in the grand scheme of things. And it's like you really think about it's just corn and and grain. That's it. That's it. And, and that's just, it. Yeah, highly processed, and that's it. Um. I got one little last thing. It's just some things that I felt like maybe didn't fit into my main thread, um, which was a very United States central thread. (laughs) (laughs) What you got? Take it global. Yeah. The UK got their first ready to eat breakfast cereal in 1902. It was called Force. It's late. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in the early 1900s, the Swiss joined the cereal craze when Dr. Maximilian Bercher Benner. Of course, that's what his name was. Yeah. He developed a mixture called Muesli. I'm going to say it's muesli. Okay. I don't know. Um, okay. For his hospital patients. And is essentially a cereal mixture that was uncooked rolled oats, 
dried fruit and nuts. It was inspired by his wife as they would go hiking through the Swiss Alps. It was originally served with orange juice instead of milk. no. Yeah. Muesli was uh, introduced to Great Britain as early as 1926, and it was widely thought of as a fringe health food until it gained popularity in the 60s with the fucking hippie movement. So, yeah, that's cereal. I don't know if they had a hippie movement in there, but I'm assuming. I felt like the hippie movement was global. Can I say that? I don't know. I I don't know. But also, maybe. I don't want to be not accurate, but I don't know. It just seems like that type of vibe was going around, you know? And also, because, I don't know, like, the UK and the States are a lot more similar than we realize, culturally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know we have, like, a lot of differences, but also, like, I don't know, we... Like, we kind of seem like we're in the, the same shit at the same time, like fascism. <laughs> Just, a, yeah. So I think the, the themes are slightly overlapping. So maybe. Yeah. Like, we're both into fascism right now. Maybe we were both into hippie movement in the 60s. You know what I mean? Timelines would add up because apparently we just have, we just repeat ourselves in history because we don't learn. Yeah. So yeah. It's- um, that's cereal though, man. That's the whole, that's the whole nine. That's fantastic. I am impressed with cereal. I gotta say. Yeah, it's. It's it's a it's a ride, man. It, it was it was good. All right, so you said you were forty two out of forty six. I said it was forty two. Yeah, but you know what, Tim? I think it finally happened. It did it happen? It's. I think we're taking it to forty six to forty out of forty six today. Cereal is it? Wow, cereal is your perfect food. Because okay, because you know, I think of it now in the translation of like, yeah, no, it's a great little like. I'm a little munchy. But mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not, I don't want to have like a full meal. So I'm going to have some cereal to hold me over. Or it's quick enough that I can like have some cereal, grab some coffee, start my day, maybe grab something later on and hold me over to get a snack time. But in the grand scheme of things, again, I'm just genuinely impressed with it's. I feel like it's such a commentary on what you said, like marketing and how, how that transformed over time, A. But B, like how successful it was to, tra- again, oats and grain that's what cereal is you know what i'm saying yeah. like so i just think it's impressive i think it's just like a genuine like i will tip my hat off because that's kind of fucking wild like the idea because it's like you made that great point like it's a joke that whenever i would be younger even now sometimes too if i go to the grocery store with my parents it's like i would just inherently like pick out things to throw into the cart or i'd be like can we get this can we get that and it's like no we don't we don't need these things but like as yeah. a child so it's so brilliant terrible but it's so brilliant as a marker to be like you it's, know what like yeah and i think that i mean cereal is probably one of the main things that started that because after that i'm sure we could probably look back and see how advertising changed to children just as a whole so many different types of industries not just the food industry or inherently different, different types of food yeah so yeah, yeah massive market man it's unreal we, like i don't know also just think about every brand i just mentioned turn got mm-hmm. so big that they just, they do everything, right? Like, Trix is a yogurt as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, it's both brilliant and awful. So that's your perfect food. We finally did it. Um, W's in the chat. <laughs> W's in the chat all around, all around. W's absolutely. in the chat. Uh, that's the end of the episode. Welcome, or outro. Uh, here it is. Not welcome <laughs> to Where Does Food. Uh, welcome to the outro. Yeah, welcome to the outro of Where Does Food. Um, guys, do you hear that music? that's going on right now did you hear that sting did you hear the intro music that was all pretty done good. by our bud austin martin you can find him on spotify and apple music uh under meridian sky 
Go ahead, give him a listen. You know, he's he's making tunes. You know, he's doing his thing. Um, and he's a great dude and fun collaborator. So go check his stuff out. Um, you can find us at home base there on the anchor.fm forward slash where food. You can also find us uh, wherever you find your podcast, man. Spotify, Apple. You know, we're out there. We're on that stuff. You can uh, you can chat at us, towards us, with us on Twitter. Yes. We are at Where Does Food on Twitter. I am at Tim Wehunt. L is? At L Chapo with three underscores between L and Chapo. And you can find all of that. Don't worry. You'll be able to find all of that in the description of this episode where I will also post my show notes of all the articles and everything that I read. Guys, we release this wonderful podcast uh, every other Monday. One way you can help us out is, you know, we do have a donation button, but if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to buy us a coffee, as it were, uh, rating, literally uh, rating on Apple and or Spotify helps a ton. Uh, It's easy, free way to uh, give us some assistance. So, you know, you do that. And if you don't want to do any of that, fine. Just listen to us and we'll keep making it because we like making it. So, sorry if I sounded aggressive. I do appreciate just <laughs> no, yeah, listening. Absolutely. You can just listen. That is okay. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. That's the end of my thing. Uh, Elle, you want to add anything? No, Tim, I think you covered all of it. We appreciate the the spins. Give us a holler on the Twitter. Get that track going. Yeah, tell us, tell us what we're over halfway through this season tell us what foods you want to hear or what food even even food adjacent things <laughs> like if you want us if, if it's in the realm of food and you want us to cover it let's fucking go uh we can do that we can talk food laws if you want to talk food laws let's talk food laws i don't give a shit um yeah just uh let us know <laughs> all right see ya